I just want to go back to that point for a moment. And just out of my own, testify to something, but also compare it to something else. I grew up in a church where the pastors kept certain things back for themselves. Certain knowledge, certain revelation, they treated as their own private collection. They held it back. And then later on met a man who would share with you his latest revelation that he just received from God, as precious as it was, he would share it. And he was never without revelation. He was constantly receiving more revelation from God. The more word that he received, the more revelation he got, the more he shared it. And the more he shared it, the more he had. So the word says something like this, was quickly too quick on me to find it. It says, to those who have, will be given more. But to those who have not, will be taken even that which they have. And the... the That which it's actually pertaining to is this very thing I'm sharing with you now. It sounds unfair, but what he's saying is those who have word and are constantly, the more will be given to them. But those who are stingy and withholding of it, even that which they have will be taken from them. And my, my experience is this in the word. The faster you share your experience, your testimony, your revelation, the more you will be given. Amen. It, it just flows like a... And so if you take that principle and then pull it through to giving, the same applies. I, I, have, a, I have a wife that I have to sometimes rein in. I said, no, you, she'll... She'll even come to me and say, um, you know that scarf you've given me that I've never worn? Okay, after 46 years, you know what the next sentence is going to be, you know? It's all right, you can give it, because I'm going to lose the argument anyway. But sometimes she's giving the clothes off her back. You can ask the kids. It's like it just flows. Hey? <laughs> Peter says, I'm just scared that maybe she'll give me away at some stage. <laughs> but you hear, that, you hear what I'm saying is that she, this constantly she grew up in a home with a dad that was always giving. So it's like second nature to her to actually give. But Albie's never been without. Amen. So we don't give to get, and yet when we give, we do get. But for those who understand the principle that it's not a work, when I'm giving, okay, I give. I give. Because I know I'm going to get. <laughs> it's like a farmer. A farmer doesn't sow, not expecting to. I'm going to sow, but I'm not expecting a harvest at all. Sit on his chair and say, I'm not expecting it. No. He sows with the intent of a harvest. And I mean, if you compare that to the entirety of the kingdom, the word, whatever, 
whatever I'm giving in the Lord, in the kingdom, is going to be, it's going to be expanded. It's going to come back. It's going to be, it's going to be great. Okay, so difficult message this morning. Difficult not in difficulty, but to try and bring all the ends together. So for you who didn't watch last week, please watch because I believe God's talking to us all. Somewhere in what's going on in the earth right now, and that's what, why it's difficult to actually say stuff that you, you need to, to string together, is that I believe heaven, and remember heaven, we're not talking about heaven as a place this morning, but more as a, as a realm of power and glory and presence. It's like the heavenlies is coming down, becoming closer, becoming more prevalent, becoming more, we're becoming more aware of. And it's like the children of God in hunger and in desire to see more and have more of him is going up. And the two are starting to infiltrate each other's realms. And so we're starting to become aware of God doing stuff in our midst and being aware of supernatural stuff. Are, are you with me? So this is, a, this is like a, the kick off of the game. Philippians 3 And, and the Amplified can get really long sometimes because of all that. So I'm going to try and rather read the King James and then maybe they can put up New King James up there if they're going to do that or whatever. Um, so, so Paul, <laughs> hallelujah. So Paul is writing about the fact that the, the law people, he starts off in verse 2, he says, beware of the... <laughs> Beware of dogs. Phew. Look out for those dogs. I wonder if you'd, you'd, you'd like it if I preached like that. Pasop Vidihone. Beware of evil workers. Beware of concision. Talking about circumcision. Okay? So the story behind the story is Paul is going around preaching grace and the goodness of God and he's preaching about the grace that comes by Jesus Christ and the Judaizers are following him around and saying, no, you still have to be circumcised. You still have to, what's the name? And so he's talking about this crowd that glories in their outward appearance and their works. All right. For we are the circumcision which we are the circumcision which worship God in the spirit. Say in the spirit. And rejoice in Christ Jesus and have no confidence in the flesh. Are you, are you following? So he says, we are worshiping God by the grace in the Spirit. We have no confidence in works of righteousness that we do to be able to earn our redemption. 
Though I might also have confidence in the flesh, if any other man thinketh that he hath whereof he might trust in the flesh, I more. Now he gives his CV as a Pharisee, as a man that grew up in that church, in that environment. He says, circumcised on the eighth day, say according to the law, of the stock of Israel, of the tribe of Benjamin, a Hebrew of Hebrews, as touching the law, a Pharisee. So this guy, CV, is like up there when it comes to all the law stuff, all right? Concerning zeal, persecuting the church. So he was the head ring leader that went after the disciples, all right? Touching the righteousness which is in the law, blameless. So as far as fleshly doing the do's and the don'ts, he felt that he was at a place where he could say, I do all the things according to the law. But what things were gained to me, those I counted loss for Christ. Are you getting the, you getting the picture of what this, yea, doubtless, and I count all things but loss for the excellency of the knowledge, say knowledge, of Christ Jesus my Lord, for whom I have suffered the loss of all things and do count them but dung that I may win Christ. So quick little side note, he had to turn his back on everything. His law degree, his, his CV, you know, all the things he had attained and, you know, that were stacked up about him within the church and his position, all that he turned his back on and walked away from it, losing all of that. And he said, I view it as dung. A nice word, because actually in the Hebrew, it's, yeah, it's, it's, it, it gets really rough in Hebrew. Uh, yeah, okay. Mm, where am I? Huh? Nine. Yeah. And be found in him, not having my own righteousness, which is of the law, but that which is through faith of Christ, the righteousness which is of God by faith. So he says, because I have come to the place that believing in Christ, I have now been made righteous, not by works, but by grace. Okay, that's what he's saying. That I might know now. Okay, say, stretch me, Lord. Say, I can never arrive. I'm always growing. I'm always going. That I might know him and the power of his resurrection. So the knowledge of him is not a static once-off happening. 1940, Futsack, met Jesus, gave my life, came out to the front, and now I know him. He's saying that I might know him. Intimate knowledge, like woman intimacy with man. No, Adam knew his wife. That I might know him. Intimate knowledge, all right? That I might know him and the power of his resurrection. Say power of his resurrection. Power of his resurrection. That means there is a life in Christ for you and me that pertains to the resurrected Christ. 
I follow his deeds in the New Testament and the things he does and the miracles and everything, and they are ensembles or examples to me of what Jesus looked like as a man in the earth. But there is a place where he comes out of the tomb and is raised from the dead and is now seated in heavenly places. And I'm saying, I want to know that life of being connected to a resurrected walk with Jesus, a life beyond the grave, a life beyond the cross, living in the fullness of the finished work and demonstrating that to the world. Say, I'm reaching for something. If by any means I might attain to the resurrection of the dead. Now, whether you, whether you want to talk about resurrection of the dead here in this life, that you step out from ever dying, or that you one day, when you pass away and you are raised on the other side, that you would be raised. All right? Say with surety, without doubt, there is a life hereafter for me in the resurrection that I might attain to that knowledge even in this life that no matter what happens, I will live forever with him. Not as though I had already attained, either were already perfect, but I follow after if that I might apprehend that for which I am apprehended of Christ Jesus. Say, I'm already captured. I'm already His. As far as He's concerned, I am His. But as far as I'm concerned, I want to capture the fullness of who he is and what he's got, so I keep reaching. I keep going after the resurrected Christ so that I might manifest him in the earth. Okay, so having said that, Last week we looked at Isaiah's meeting, captured, caught up. In the year that King Isaiah died, I saw the Lord, meaning that Lord, the crucified Christ. I saw him high and lifted up. He had a prophetic view of Jesus seated on the right hand of the Father. He's trained for the temple, and I see the angels cry, and does something to me. He says, oh, woe is me because I'm a man of unclean lips and I, I dwell amongst the people. In other words, his heart was full of stuff that his mouth was speaking about. And then his lips get cleansed and his sin get taken away. Yeah. He has an encounter. Yeah. Say encounter. Yeah. And the encounter transforms him. And changes him that when the voice comes and says, who will I send? He's jumping up and down and he says, send me. 
The Bible is literally filled with people, Old Testament and New Testament, that have had that kind of encounter. And that encounter is what brings about something that sends me out and I become a voice. Okay. So, I cannot project what I have not seen or experienced. Okay. So, Revelation, I'm, I'm, I'm doing that hanging ceiling thing this morning, okay? So, I'm, I'm, I'm hanging all the wires up, and, and by the end of the service, we hope that we can hang the ceiling on the, on the hangers. Are you, are you with me? So, there's a scripture at the end of Revelation that says, and the bride and the spirit say, come. And what we've done with that is we want Jesus to come and take us away. Because that's the type of eschatology, the, the end time studies that people do, they put revelation somewhere in the future. But we have a promise that he said, I will fill the entire earth with my glory. And there's a... There's a um, Oh, I never, why can I never remember this, this, this um, Jesus culture? There's a Jesus culture song that says, flood the earth, Lord, flood the earth. What if that come, Lord Jesus, the spirit and the bride say, Come is a longing for that which is heavenly to descend to the extent that that which is earthly gets enveloped with it and the whole earth starts to be flooded with the glory because we are calling him to come because we cannot do the job that's at hand in this evil world by ourselves so we need him to come. We need to draw on him. We have to have an experience, an encounter, so that we can visually or spiritually visually see something and then we can reproduce it. I cannot live a victory, a victorious life, unless I see that kind of victory. <laughs> so, Crystal Gale is a woman that I just adore the way she sings and the words and stuff. She's singing a song right now. Uh, sorry. She's singing a song right now which has to do with um, the name above all names. But within the, um, I hope I'm going to find it now. Within the um, words. Uh -huh. 
There's a bridge in the song that sounds like this. The cross still stands. The blood still flows. The work is finished. And hell still knows. The grave is still empty. Holy Spirit, come. Touch our hearts this morning with what we should hear. The stone is still rolled. And you're still high and lifted up. You're still seated on the throne. Why do we experience ecstasy and delight on Easter Sunday morning, year after year after year, because the word still, maybe we don't, we have an Easter Sunday morning experience. But since you've been saved, how many Easter Sunday mornings have you experienced since you got saved? Some of you 20 years, some of you 10 years, some of you 5 years, some of you 30 years. The appropriate word is still. So the victory attained there is still applicable. Let me... The cross still stands. The blood still flows. The work is finished and hell still knows. The grave still empty. The stone still rolled. And you're still high and lifted up. And you're still seated on the throne. It's a, it's a realization in a moment that the victory that I celebrate is a daily, every second, every moment victory. And as Isaiah whoo, had that moment, we too have moments where we arrive back at a place and say, Lord, you're reminding me this morning that you have not changed. You're still the same Savior. You're still the same faithful one that stays with me every day. And suddenly that victory changes gears on the inside of you in a moment because you're looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of your faith. And in your looking, in your your beholding, in your suddenly you become a little bit uplifted out of your circumstance and you say, wow, I'm being reminded this morning that he has never left me nor forsaken, no matter what I've been through. And as Isaiah encountered and the glory flooded, we too can have that on a constant basis if we're looking right. So we're praying here on Wednesday night. And Albie's been doing this, this, this book, The Circle Maker, and we've been discussing it between the two of us all the time about encircling things, encircling things. 
and then putting yourself inside the promise, inside the circle and say, God, this is what you promised. This is where I'm standing. And I'm walking up and down here. And suddenly God reminds me of something that I do. I did this in, in Kimberley with this woman whose husband had been hit on the head with a helicopter blade. And she was in the church the Sunday morning. And I asked her to come and see me after the service. And I, I said to her, give me your rings. And I put them down. And I said, the day that you got married, did you get married in front of God? She said, yes. I said, then the day that you got married, you put yourself and your husband inside a covenantal circle and you said Lord I invite you as the witness of this marriage to seat yourself inside this marriage circle and that means that at any time and at any place I need to contact you for something to pray for my husband or my wife I have a two-thirds majority my husband can be unconscious lying in ICU, but because you were included in the covenant, I can call you into the circle and I can say, Lord, you were there on the day we got married. This marriage belongs to you. This place belongs to you. And because of what's inside the circle, I can call him in and say, my husband, I want him healed. I want him set free. I, I, I want whatever I need for the... And the tears started rolling down her face and I realized God was doing something to me at the same time. And I'm standing here on Wednesday night and I'm walking up and down and God says to me, but you're also my bride. Say this with me, purchased possession. He paid for me with his blood, I was bought with the price. For the, for the, for the Afrikaners, the cart in transport. For the English people, the title deed is his. For he purchased me with the blood. And when I beheld that victory in a moment in the spirit, I became so victorious in myself and so bold in that moment to say, what mark ye here? I looked at the devil and said, what the heck do you think you're doing inside this circle? Hey, who gives you the right? I am purchased possession. I am owned by him. This is his territory. You're trespassing right now. You don't have a hope. You're trespassing on that which belongs to God. My wife, my family, my house belongs to Him. I stepped into the circle of that which is owned by Him and I said, get out! And I, 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 what's the right word? I initiated a victory that's mine, that He's given on His behalf. That moment my mouth opens and I start speaking according to the victory that I see. Amen. The gloriousness, the victoriousness, the committedness, whatever you need to see this morning in that high and lifted up moment when you get raised up and start to look, something transforms in you. 
And you, be able, you become able to speak accordingly. So another hanger. The, say a voice in the earth. What's needed right now is a voice in the earth. A combined voice in the earth of his children speaking with an authority that, that surpasses last week and last month and last year and 10 years because we've seen a victory and we've realized the thing and we stay. So the Roman centurion comes to him, he says, my servant is ill, do not come under my roof. I don't feel worthy that you can come under my roof, but I'm a man of authority, under authority. If you speak the word, word, speak a word, I know my servant will be healed. And Jesus commends the faith of this man. I think, say Dave thinks. Not, I'm not saying it's, I think the reason he could speak to Jesus like that was he had followed Jesus' walk on the earth. He had heard about this because it says when Jesus spoke to demons, the people marveled because they said, we have never seen anybody speak with this kind of authority to sickness, to blind eyes, to death. He spoke and whatever he said out of his mouth happened. People saw, people heard, people were raised from the dead, demons fled at the word, and they said, this man's word is with power. So the Roman centurion, who is a commander of a legion of soldiers, saw this, and, and he had the same thought the other people had, said, I've never seen this kind of authority. So he said, if you just speak, I know my servant will be healed. So James says, he says, Elijah was a man just like us. He goes further to say, subject to like passions, which means he got hot like you get hot. He got cold like you get cold. He had depression. He had fear. He ran from Jesus. He says he was a man subject to life. Yet he spoke and the heavens closed for three and a half years on the word of a man. He spoke to climatic conditions and changed them to what he wanted so that the people would wake up to the fact that they'd left God. And then after three and a half years, he spoke again and the heavens gave rain. Then he says, the effectual fervent prayer of a righteous man, including the woman in this house, if you're righteous, the effectual fervent prayer of a righteous man availeth much power. Amen. I hear a sound in the earth coming from the platform where the bands and the music are played. In the worship, I hear week for week we're sharing songs with each other and with you that sound different. 
Not that they're different in any way, but there's something in the spirit that's different because of what it's declaring right now, the name above every other name, the thing that we, I hear a sound in the earth that's different and I'm stretching for something that I don't even know what it looks like, but I know I need to stretch right now because God's doing something. And there's a voice that's about to go out in the earth, coming from you and me, when we perceive our victory, when we see our stance, when we look into the Spirit and see what He has done for us. There's a voice that's about to go out throughout the earth that's going to bring glory down, that's going to bring things and change things that are going to change everything around us because we're seeing Him. So interesting. Jacob battles for blessing his entire life. I don't know why, because it was in the womb that he changed places. I, I, I don't know what's going on with Jacob, but Jacob desires to be blessed. But I don't think Jacob differs very much with any of us, depending on your background, low self-esteem, Give it whatever. We always feel we don't qualify enough and we're always struggling to be more blessed. So Jacob runs from his brother because he stole the birthright. <laughs> you see how desperate he is for blessing. You remember, he put the... And on the way, running from his brother, remember that a couple of weeks ago, he falls asleep in a place. And he dreams, oh man, he dreams about a ladder, heaven and earth, and angels ascending and descending upon the ladder. He wakes up and says, this is Bethel, this is the house of God, this is the presence of God, and I did not know it. When Jesus calls Nathaniel, he said, I saw you when you were still standing under the fig tree. And Nathaniel says, you are the Christ. You're the son of God. He says, you believe that just because I told you where I saw you and you were standing? He said, believe me, you are going to see greater things than this. You are going to see the son of man revealed. I'm just adding a couple of words to help you understand. And you're going to see angels ascending and descending upon the son of man. So Jesus takes the ladder of Jacob, brings it right into the present day. And he says, I am that ladder. I am that connection. I bring heaven down to earth and earth back to heaven. I connect that. You want to see angels? You want to have an experience of lightnings and thunders? You want to see what Isaiah saw? You want to see what any of the men of God saw? It's all in him. The closer you get to him, the more you look at him, the more angels you'll experience, the more supernatural you see. And it's available to anybody in this church right now. All you need is to be looking. Amen. Now he's coming back. You, you need to go and read the whole story. It's incredible. God blesses him. Yeah, talk about over-bestie. What you normally go for? Desiring a blessing? Desire to be blessed? It's normally the thing that gets attacked in your life way beyond. It's like over and above. 
And Jacob gets attacked every time. Laban steals his, gives him the wrong wife. Then he has to work another seven years. Then he works for stuff and the, he literally, go and read the story. Jacob was forever and a day on the losing side until he made God his source and God was now, and now he's leaving with all of Laban's riches and it's strange that he says all of his glory. His sons look and said, that guy's now taken all our father and he's leaving. There's a confrontation. Anyway, he goes. He sends gifts to his brother to pacify him because he's coming home. And he falls asleep again. And the angel of the Lord, God himself, comes and they wrestle. They're in contention and Jacob's got hold of God. He's wrestling with God. And he said, I will not let you go until you bless me. Church of the Lord Jesus Christ, we need to wrestle anew. We need to take hold of God in a hunger and a thirst and say, I had things, I've seen things, I'm born again, I'm 40 years on the road, hopefully not in the road. Lord, I want more. And a name change, one of the significant name changes, like he turns Simon into Peter. He turns the Simon, son of Jonah, into the rock, the little rock, clip off the bigger rock, the revelation of Christ. He turns Jacob into Israel because he takes hold of who God is. And after that, he's marked forever. Guess where I was on Friday night? Friday night? Saturday night? Friday night. I ate with some German people that I married. And we drove through the little town of Peniel on the way to Franschhoek. And I thought, you know, I, I know I know the meaning, but I haven't thought about it for a long time. I need to look up the meaning. Last night, I'm busy reading about Jacob. And it says, and after he'd had the encounter with God and wrestled till he blessed, he walked with a mark, he walked with a limb, but he called the place, help me, Peniel, because he has favor with God and with man. He contended and overcome. How, how crazy is that? Drive through the place, think the thought, then read the Bible last night and boom, it's there. He contended with God and overcame and he did not die. He saw the Lord like Isaiah saw the Lord. It's when we look for him, contend with him. Help you quickly. Help you quickly. The Bible says God will share his glory with no other. Am I right? And we think that God doesn't want to share his glory with us, but that's not to do with us. What God is saying, I will not share my glory with the law, and I will not share my glory with idols. But if you wondered about God sharing his glory with you, go to John 17. Jesus praying his high priestly prayer. He said, Father, the glory that I have, I now pray that they will have it too. Yes. 
Second Corinthians 3 says this. He says, when our hearts change and the veil is taken away by the Spirit's presence, we look into a, come on, say mirror. The word as if in a mirror. And we are transformed by what we see, by what we read, by what we hear. This is transformation stuff. This is transformational. If I see him and we read it, he said, I'm transformed from the glory of the old, the fading one that was on Moses' face, to the glory of the new. Amen. And if you go on to 2 Corinthians 4, it says, the glory that flows from his face. We wonder about Isaiah, we wonder about Jacob, we wonder about even whatever. But for each one of us right now in the Word, there's a glorious transformation for you available right this moment to turn your whole world right side up just by looking unto Jesus. So we'll end with this crazy warning. The Bible says that for 40 years, the Israelites saw his glory. A cloud by day, a cloud pillar to cover them from the sun. A pillar of fire by night. Manna to feed them every morning. Water from a rock that walks behind them in the wilderness. And he says that rock was Christ. Yet they died in the wilderness after all of that miraculous glory that they saw. They died in the wilderness. It bewilders me, but they died. And you know what was the only thing? They did not enter into the promised land, for they did not mix the promises with faith. They were unbelieving. Only believe. You say, but you need to ponder this because I thought that anybody would have believed in that. I mean, they had conversation. They knew it was there, but they died in the wilderness because of their lack of faith. They did not mix the promises with faith. Check the word. Check now. Check now. John 12, Jesus says about last week's service, he said, Isaiah saw the glory and he wrote about it. But in that very same portion of chapter, he says, I will harden their hearts so they do not hear or see and, and, and their ears. I will block the ears so they do not. I go, God, how can you do that? Why would you do something like that? Why would you block ears and harden hearts? And we read it and we don't understand. God doesn't block the ears and harden the heart of those who want to hear and want to look. He understands the motive of people who walk with a heart of unbelief. And then he only gives them, he only gives them what they already want.
So in the midst of glory, here's the reality check for you and me this morning. Is my hope, is my heart's motive one of love because he first loved me? And I want to believe, Lord, even help my unbelief. But is that my motivational walk with God, a hunger and a thirst that desires more? Or am I just using him as a sidecar, as a medical aid kit, you know, for when it counts? I need to do that reality check with my motive of my heart. But I promise you this, that if you do, and you say, Lord, I desire to see your glory. Come, Lord Jesus, come flood the earth. Like, 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 like what was that tide that hit us? It was a little mini tsunami, but it was actually a, sur- a, a, a storm surge. Lord, bring the storm surges on in the spirit. Bring, bring the rain. Oh, whoa, whoa, whoa. Driving to France, you can look at the mountain and go, my goodness, 18 years in the Cape, and before that came to France, a couple of, never saw that in a mountain ever. Three huge gashes in the mountain. Looks like three nails of a huge tiger. Pulled the thing down, and the mud just rushed out of the mountain in front of him going, never seen that. God's showing us the power of nature. He said, my power is bigger. My power is greater. You desire from me to pray that kind of prayer, but you've got to see in the Spirit. You've got to look into the mirror and see the transformation and understand. Because Jacobus, <laughs> James says, do not look into the mirror and forget what you see, but looking into the mirror, understand what you see. Do not walk away from that and forget who you are. Understand you are purchased with a price. Understand you're a son and daughter of God. Understand that in the beholding of His glory, I'm transformed. I am changed by looking. And the more I look, the more I'm changed. And the more I'm changed, the more this world will be changed. It's time to walk in the power of His presence. God bless you. Will you stand with me this morning? Put your hand on your heart this morning. Mean it, do it, believe it. Grab hold of it this morning. If you can't stand, stay seated. I understand. But just right now, say, Father, I don't want to miss like those who died on the outside of the promised land. I don't want to not enter into the rest Check my heart this morning. Check my belief system this morning. Is it all about me? Or is it all about you? Because I know when I'm high and lifted up, when I'm in your face in the midst of the throne room, then everything that is immaterial and that is less fades away. And it's no longer important. The distractions become less effective. The, the, the fears dwindle. And I know I'm going to be all right, Lord. I know I'm going to make it even in an economy that is like, I know, Lord, that I am with you and you are with me. I know you will never leave in that 
rarefied atmosphere of glory. There is no doubt in my heart you love me that much. When I'm looking in your face, that love overcomes me and I know I'm going to be okay. Lord, let that be every person in this place's realization. Let a peace pass, a peace that transcends all fear and everything. Let heaven touch earth. Come. Come, Lord Jesus, come. Come. Let your kingdom come. Let your will be done on and in earth. In other words, inside of the earthen vessel that is me and on the earth that I'm walking, let it come as in heaven, so also in the earth. Let your will be done in Jesus' name. Amen.